Ryan Reynolds here from Mint Mobile. With the price of just about everything going up during inflation, we thought we'd bring our prices down. So to help us, we brought in a reverse auctioneer, which is apparently a thing. Mint Mobile Unlimited Premium Wireless. How to get 30, 30, to get 30, how to get 20, 20, 20, how to get 20, 20, to get 15, 15, 15, 15, just 15 bucks a month? So, Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month. Slows. Full terms at mintmobile.com. A lot can happen in three years. Like a chatbot may be your new best friend. But what won't change? Needing health insurance. United Healthcare Tri-Term Medical Plans, underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, offer flexible, budget-friendly coverage that lasts nearly three years in some states. Learn more at UH1.com. Hello, Egg Chasers. It's the Egg Chasers Rugby Podcast, the podcast about rugby that doesn't take itself or the game too seriously. Back in the rugby dungeon... JB having had to endure a hellish week of skiing. I will never go skiing again. I hate skiing. <laughs> I think it's pointless. I think I think it's an activity for simpletons. Um, <laughs> anyone who can repeatedly go down a slope for six days is a simpleton. <laughs> and with Phil. Hello, Tim. How are you doing? Not bad, mate. Not bad. You okay? Yeah, I, I'm, I'm a simpleton, I think. I, <laughs> I haven't been skiing for about 15 years, but I'd really like to go again. I, by all means, by, right, if you don't like skiing, uh, I don't think you should be on slopes. You've got to love skiing. Same like, if you're going to invest your money on going to, on a sailing holiday, you better love sailing. I do not like skiing. So that was the end of that. I could do, do two days. I could maybe do four days if I was in a resort with a huge amount of drinking after, afterwards. Maybe I could do five days. But ours was absolutely dead. Um, very nice to be with the family. And, 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 and all that <laughs> love that. Very, very grateful. I will but skiing is a standalone activity what's, without any of the paraphernalia around it. Uh, keep it. I was Don't just thinking, it. what's the what's the rugby parallel there? Is it? It sounded like well, no. It's it's like you want a you want a principality stadium where everyone's getting smashed. Yeah, and basically. getting on it and yeah. having a real good time in in the stands. Well, and you're kind of the, the games going on, and yeah, I'll watch it a bit. But actually, could you, could you imagine going to watch a three day sevens competition? Yes, and you're not allowed a beer. No, can you imagine going to a three-day sevens competition if you don't like sevens? Yeah, so yeah, maybe, you don't like maybe sevens. Maybe the first game is intriguing, and, and you can't do yeah. all the other fun stuff. The the apres rugby, or yeah, the, apres rugby, apres yeah. Rugby. Uh, most of Perry, the rugby. like the, the Hong Kong sevens, for example. Uh, everyone I've I've not never been, but everyone I speak to says that oh, uh, do you want to Dubai sevens? What, 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 this year, what games do you remember seeing? <laughs> <laughs> maybe yeah. Yes. What, what, what games do you remember seeing? What 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 was the rugby? Uh, I can't remember. Uh, it was. Most people are looking at other people in the crowd. The rugby's, yes. the, yeah. the, the rugby's the context for a massive Dubai Sevens is the best event I've ever been to. <laughs> I've ever been to. It's not even close. It's not even close of the rugby events. I mean, there might be some, some events somewhere. Dubai Sevens is the best event I've invite, ever been to. I hate inviting us if you think you've got a better one. So, let, so my rugby in France went something like this. A couple of things of note. So when I went into the sleepy town, where there was absolutely nothing to see whatsoever... There was a poster up for next week when they're going to have a competition in the snow. A touch rugby. Now, I would never normally play t- touch rugby under any circumstances. But in the snow? Yeah, maybe. maybe. And I've got nothing else to do because I hate skiing. So that's you know, that's <laughs> a thing which I might like. Nice. I also looked up the fixtures for the top 14. And um, there were two games on. So I asked the receptionist, like, can you draw on a game of top 14? Thinking like everyone in France watches the top 14. Nope, no can do. No top fourteen. 
Really? No, so I went to return my skis, and what was the guy who was in charge of putting the skis away watching? Top 14. Top 14. So I, I pulled up a chair in the boot room in the... Um, Nice. In the staff area of Club Med. And I sat there and I watched Leon versus Toulon. And it's a great little game. Great. Oh, Toulon game. won as well. Yeah. Away yeah. at Leon. Um, and Cheslin Colby looked like he broke his foot. Did he? Scoring a he's, try. He scored a try early on, didn't he? Yeah, so he scores a try. He sort of goes, he rolls his foot. And then they try and tape him up. And eventually he has to go, go off on a cart. So it looks like a really Ooh. nasty injury. Six months out from a World Cup. Well, that uh, ties in. Because injuries is is one thing. Like Ollie Chesham's in a in a fight to actually make it for the Rugby World Cup. Wrist is really? it? I made that up. Uh, ankle ankle dislocation. Mm. Oh, uh, Owen Farrell. It looks like it's a a, a, a low grade ankle, ankle injury. Ligament. So it, he may, it's probably unlikely he makes the round of sixteen for Saracens next weekend, but he could do. But have we heard the status of Johnny Sexton's injury yet? No, I didn't even know he's injured. So yeah. he limped off in the against England. Yeah. No, he'll be fine. Are we talking about his hangover or an actual injury? <laughs> <laughs> I don't know. It's just interesting. Normally, we would have heard something, but I don't know if he'll be fine. Yeah, yeah. I mean, he's wrapped in cotton. Oh, he's oh, he, anyway. Yeah. He's out. He wasn't due to play for. Oh, he's out until months. the end of the season. He's out until the end of the really? season. Really? Oh, yes. I would say he was out until the end of the season anyway, unless yeah. they get to a final. <laughs> I'm not seeing him again. So. <laughs> But yeah, that that was maybe the rugby highlight of the week was watching those island boys half cut. What was your view on this? Tell me, your, tell me your views on their they, four day bender. They worked incredibly hard for for seven days. They seven weeks, seven weeks. Sorry, and they deserve to let their hair down. In any, they're, they're grown adults. They can do that in any way they choose. They are yeah, they're grown adults. They know their own bodies. They're professional athletes that are totally focused on doing well in the World Cup, but after the exertions they put in, they deserve to do whatever they want. And if that is getting on the smash for four straight days, crack on, boys. So, I have a slightly different view. They definitely should be celebrating. You always celebrate your wins. Even your small wins on, on the field, Maratoji style. You always <laughs> celebrate your wins. So, no problem with if that. If you want to celebrate that with a game of uh, Sabuti or something, that's fine. But if you want to celebrate it with a four day, so, 70 beers, so fine Six as Nations... Well. Obviously, it's an annual tournament. And the way I look at international rugby now is the same way as I think everyone does. I wish I didn't, but I think everyone does. Is it's a four-year cycle for World Cups. This is what drives unions crazy. It's why they make stupid decisions. For instance, Wales firing their head coach just just when they actually shouldn't. England firing their head coach at probably the worst possible time. Or, or at Argu- least... Arguably two years or three yeah. years or later than they should potentially, have done. Or at least potentially, although I, I actually am okay with it, but potentially, if you will say anything about that, it was hiring the right coach at the wrong time. Yeah, absolutely mm. right. So, right coach, wrong time. But the point is, it's all about that four-year cycle. And I just wonder if the amount of celebrations that the Irish are having now, whether it's kind of a little bit of a job half done, their real goal is to not lose in the quarterfinal of a World Cup. That's their real goal, yeah, and maybe to win it. They would be the first to say that. I'm sure they would, but I just think, like... I'm, ca- the- I'm kind of with you. So first, my first reaction was, good lads, that looks like great fun. Yeah. But then there was just this niggle, like... It, it does feel the celebration is too prolonged, given two things. One, maybe, one, maybe. One, you have got um, a World Cup in six months' time. Two... You are in the middle of the season. Yes, that's so like, the other thing. Th- those boys will be playing. None of those boys played for the provinces uh, weekend just gone. I don't think. <laughs> I certainly hope hope none of them did. <laughs> um, 
But in a couple of weeks, uh, next weekend, they're playing Big ra- round of 16 it? next weekend. Yeah. And the weekend Heine- after that. Heineken Cup. final. And so two days on the beers, brilliant. Four days, maybe maybe a bit too much celebration so, too soon. Uh, one of the things I said about the Six Nations is if I'm going to win the Grand Slam, there's no chance that Leinster will win mm. Heineken Cup. Well, without Johnny Sexton now, probably right. Well, they wouldn't have, have them anyway, would they, really? But, you Just know, for the okay. finals. For yeah, the fi- maybe, semi-final and final. Maybe sits on the bench in the finals, some, some such thing. I mean, yeah. But if you just celebrate before, I mean, they will get through the next round probably. And, and, and that is just the headline that someone else has written that they're their fourth day. It could just be they, they could have gone home for a couple of days and then they're yeah, yeah they're back yeah. out again. They might, be, yeah, they might have been training. They might have had yeah. one night. They might have done two days of hard graft training and then one more celebration. Like yeah, there's absolutely yeah. yeah, yeah. There's every chance that that, that could be the case. And also, yeah, yeah. I think the story came because of Gary Ringrose who didn't go out because he was his return to play protocol yeah, and, now, and it was his birthday so they, they all turned up at his house which just shows a nice bit of camaraderie it does but I do think it kind of highlights a different uh, angle of rugby and you won't like this but head injuries are of course all the rage now we all need to show uh, treat head injuries with the most with the most seriousness possible but actually I think when it's all said and done in the amateur game at least when we look at the health consequences and negative health consequences of rugby of which there are a few number one will be the excessive amount of drink and I just wonder how this plays yeah. with the media well, well uh, how will it play with the court case I, I was thinking about this and you read autobiographies you, you read people talking about the, the 03 team and stuff and the teams that Steve Thompson for example yeah. is in and uh, that's what I would do if I were the opposition lawyers in a, in, in a court if it ever gets to court this this mm-hmm. class action lawsuit I'd say I'd read out some paragraphs about Steve Thompson getting absolutely obliterated uh, or his own accounts of it and go, and go well how do you know it was rugby and not that I'm not saying uh, I'm not trying no, to I'm it's not, multifactorial but, but the point yeah, but the point is, is. You're, you're absolutely yeah, right I mean I, this is something I really think about all the time and I, I am a big drinker when I go to, down, down the rugby club I will drink until I physically not drink you know that that's what I enjoy doing that's what I've done for 20 years but I do realise that there's huge consequences to doing that mm. now in the book by Tom English called The Grudge there is a scene in that well, the drinking culture in England used to be you sat on a chair opposite Brian Moore. Or Brian, well, it was Brian Moore in this scene. So two lads sit on a chair and they carry on drinking until one of them fall, falls off a chair. That was, that was the game that they played. And the old tradition when you got your first cap for England was you ha- had to have a drink with every other player in the team. Yes. Mm. And whatever drink they chose. Exactly right. Exactly right. So, I mean, wasn't there, wasn't there a, a tradition, I might be making this up, this going back a long time, and I can't remember if it was England or Wales or one of the other home nations, that you'd have to have um, several drinks on the night before you made your international <laughs> debut. What? I'm sure. I'm sure. I've well, read I mean, that there somewhere. was a very famous scene of Colin Charvis in the dentist chair the night before a game. Before, yeah. 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 So, I guess the point I'm trying to make is when the RFU lie, as they have been about like head injuries and whatnot. And they're saying, oh, if you just make it safe, all of these players will flood, flood back to clubs. I actually think there's, it's more likely that players don't want to play rugby, not because of head injuries, because nobody in the amateur game really cares about that too much. No one's really not playing, unless you've had an existing concussion. Mm. Um, I wouldn't be surprised if it's more about the actual drinking culture, which is more, more off-putting. But of course, we're not allowed to talk about that. So um, I well, wonder how the Gary Ringrose stuff sort of plays from well, that level. Well, well, that's an interesting point generally because young people, on average, are drinking far, far less yeah. than ever and taking drugs and having sex less than ever. <clears throat> yeah. 
It's why they need to play rugby. Wow. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, it, it's kind of essential. So, um, yeah, that, a few things. But, yeah, I, uh, I think it's fair to say Ireland deserve to celebrate in whichever way that they yeah. feel one thing I did appropriate. En- one thing I did enjoy on the video particularly was as all the players were filtering into Gary Ringrose's lovely house, by the way. Yeah, yeah it looks Not very, very lovely. Nice. That, is, that is a house which is beneath the salary cap, isn't yeah. it? Yeah. <laughs> well, uh, uh, this lovely Dublin townhouse, and th- this is it. Peter Romani's. Uh, as he went in, he, he, um, I'll spare the the choice language, um, but he was like, "Oh, I'm getting a tour of this place." <laughs> as he was walking in. <laughs> well, if you've ever looked at Peter Romani's Instagram. He takes great pride in his house and particularly his garden. So I, he? I, he really, really does. Old, old man Omahani. So, okay, Guy Ringrose is a athletic centre, isn't he? He's known for, I'd say, his beautiful running style, his, his silky yep. running style. Now, I imagine of all the players to drag out of a house, he'd be the easiest one. Who'd be the hardest? Because Omahani might be up there. Omahani would yeah. be very difficult to get out. Yeah. So, Ty Furlong and Ty Byrne would both be pretty difficult to get out of there. I imagine like um, Ty Furlong like, lives in a barn. You have to if get if Andrew barn. Porter doesn't want to come out of that house, he's not yeah. coming out of that house. <laughs> Porter's, Porter's tricky. Of course, he'll be doing a DJ set somewhere, so getting him out is <laughs> not a problem. That isn't, that isn't a big deal. <laughs> it, was, it was fun to watch anyway. Yes, but, but, um, fair, and fair play. What, what popped into my head as, as we were talking about that? Uh, oh, it's, Drinking. It's head, gone anyway. Head no. injuries. No. Ireland losing in a, in a quarterfinal. Uh, Leinster well. not winning the Heineken Cup. <laughs> yeah. These all, are all things which are going to happen. Oh, I can't remember. They are all high, all likely, all all high likelihood of things that are not going to happen. I can't remember now. doesn't matter. Um, a little rugby? Yeah. Seeing, seeing as we've as we're, um, been talking Irish rugby, did either of you watch, I think it's highly unlikely that you did, my beloved Ulster. Ulster got a good win, didn't they? Yeah, against the South yeah. African teams. Well, Ulster and Scarlets. Scarlets is remarkable. Scarlets actually. is remarkable. Yeah, so against the stacked shark side with a near Springbok pack. The URC is a funny competition because <laughs> it is. sometimes you look at it and you think this could be brilliant. Like this could be brilliant. Um, you know, they burn an amazing amount of carbon. I love that. They really do. I mean, like how... Flying around the world. Well, one of the things about the URC, it's got all of its rainbow flags up this uh, uh, this weekend in association with an Indian tyre company because nothing says gay pride <laughs> more than Indian tyre companies. Um, and it does sort of play to that crowd quite nicely. How it can do that, and that should... I mean, every single... Surely the URC is the definition of an unsustainable league. Never has so much carbon been burnt for the benefit of so so few fans. <laughs> I mean, it's a good point, actually, because I can... In the, N- the NFL NFL, <laughs> yeah, enormous distances. But you're talking stacked-out stadiums and yeah. million, tens of millions, hundreds of thousands of people watching in the stadium, in some of the stadiums. The, the money that gets shifted on the, the different NFL broadcast packages, the merchandise. Yeah, yeah, I mean, yeah like, the economy, massive. the boost to the economy of that game. Ad, the, the, the television advertising revenue for those games. Yeah. To fly the dragons to... Uh, Zebra. It just seems like a pointless. In- I mean, why and, don't they just get a computer to predict it? And dragons <laughs> say, "And dragons to Zebra is like a two-hour flight." But flying the dragons or Edinburgh to Durban, but or I guess, Cape Town. So there was an article this week. Um, Dan Rowan did this ex- expose on short-haul flights in the Premier League, and you know there were some not- no- notable uh, rugby journalists saying this is so important. Sport needs to change its way. Whilst actually their primary job is reporting on the URC, and it just made me think like. 
even the rubbish games in the URC need a flight. I mean, you, Glasgow, dra- Glasgow to anyone in in Wales is basically a flight. Yeah, or, or, or Ireland, very long. Yeah, or Italy, yeah. or South Africa. Yeah. So you know. Anyway, all, almost all of the games, apart from the local derbies. Yeah, the cost of anyone in any other country, uh, it's a flight. It's not fashionable to say, I don't care. No, I don't care either. In fact, I think they should... Well, I'd, like to, I'd like to see the, the footprint of... common footprint of all the sports teams in all the world. And then you get the utility to, that that Utility brings. to the... Yeah. 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 Like, how, Com- how, compared to... Now, it, it doesn't really matter what it is, but compared to other things and utility. Yeah. Now, you could... It's funny because sport... Do, Sport's not like uh, a power station that keeps people literally alive. If you mm. or um, cows and farming that does it keeps people alive, <laughs> but it, it makes you happy. Yeah, and we found this out, didn't we, d- d- during the pandemic? We did. Like, they, they bought back sport because it keeps people happy. Yes, and people need entertainment. Bread and circuses, as well as yeah. the cynical way of looking at no, that. You're absolutely right. You're absolutely right. So anyway, I just I'd like to point out the, the the hypocrisy there. But on the URC, yeah, it's a funny competition because I sometimes watch it and I think this should be really, really good. And some of the rugby sometimes is absolutely spectacular. Like when they get their full teams out, it is a really good product. There's just not enough of it. Yeah, and this. This game on Saturday night, so it was seven thirty kickoff on Saturday night. It was on the BBC because it's on. Uh, it was a home Ulster game, mm-hmm. and I just got back from my little uh, trip. Not quite as glamorous as skiing in the south of France. Where were you? I was in Hebden Bridge. Hebden, oh, Hebden Hebden Bridge, very, very arty, hipster little uh, enclave, just just out in there into Cheshire, mm. not Cheshire, uh, uh, Yorkshire. 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 Sorry, Yorkshire. Right. But you're right. You're, it's very bit hipster. Um, very cool place. Good food, some good beers, um, beautiful town. Do you know it's meant to be the second city of the UK? Hebden Bridge. Hebden Bridge, yeah. Go on. Yeah, is, well, that a, is, that a oh, is that a joke? Is this a team no, project? No, no, no. It, 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 it is 100% serious. So the theory goes that the UK should have two economic hubs. It should be a southern one, unsurprisingly that is London. Yeah. And there should be an, basically an inverted city if they could connect it all up. So if you think about the... Areas of population: Manchester, Liverpool, Leeds, yep. Sheffield. Oh, right, and that's, so, that's in the heart of all of that. Yeah. So if you sort of link it up, it's the it's an inverted city with you countryside in the middle, and then everything else built up around yeah. it, and that would be Hebden Bridge. So if they could make Hebden Bridge the second city, we'd have two economic powerhouses in UK rather than the one. Well, it was so it was a great trip. We spent one day in Hebden Bridge, one day in Halifax, and one day in Bradford. Mm-hmm. God, speaking about economic powerhouses, Halifax and Bradford are absolutely stunning. Some, of the, some of the architecture, some of the mid-Victorian um, Gothic architecture is absolutely... Halifax in particular. First class. Or Halif- both of them. Bradford is... Go- some of the buildings are absolutely gorgeous. Bradford, the Peace Hall, we were in Peace Hall in the um, centre of Halifax. Bright blue sky. You could have been in... Madrid or Rome or you could have been anywhere in the world and you're in Halifax and then the poverty and uh, mm. the the decline since its peak since when uh, Great Britain was a world power in the or the world power 150 or so years ago is astonishing isn't it it's uplifting to see the the architecture but 
it is well, fundamentally upsetting. I got that d- driving from uh, getting getting the car back to the train station from the Tottenham Hotspur Stadium back to Euston. It's you, you go like, oh wow, this is lovely. Oh my goodness, this yeah, is- absolutely. Well, fundamentally, you've got to blame people like Phil for this because. Uh, him and Lang O'Rourke are busy going around c- uh, cities defacing <laughs> the architecture. How dare you? Yeah. We, we have done some incredible restoration on heritage buildings. That is true. That the, is true. The Town Hall in Manchester is Town Hall one's great. <laughs> town uh, Hall uh, Extension and Central yeah, Library. Yeah, I think Bradford's the fifth biggest city in the UK. Yeah, big Huge. city. And honestly, some of the buildings, Bradford Town Hall, and some of the Gothic architecture is outstanding. But then it really, like, you really get a feel. When you're walking down the the high street with these beautiful buildings that are just all desolate, or they are pound shops, or they're bookies, uh, and you can just see the poverty on the street. It feels feels so different from somewhere like like Manchester feels now. Now, last one on Bradford, it has the record for the most people in attendance for a rugby match it does and I believe it's Halifax versus Bradford 108,000 yeah it's, wow. it's over 100,000 people yeah. in wow. Oddsall Lane oh, yeah. wow have, have, have you ever seen Oddsall no it's the, the weirdest bowl. yeah it's incredible it's like wow. a natural yeah so you drive past it like, like it's maybe it, like I don't know like a seven foot wall and that's it. So you think, well, where, where, where the stadium, where's the stands? And it sort of just dips, dips oh, down. That's awesome. But actually, I'm pretty sure that the pitch was also walk, like walk shaped too. I love it. Yeah, yeah. it might be. Love it. Well, it just all time records: one hundred two thousand five hundred. Oh, and was it Halifax? Uh, it was. It's actually Warrington versus Halifax, according to oh, this. Oh, was it? There you go. Then well, in 1954. I tell you, I can sort of do a nice little segue here because. Um, you're talking about the URC and stuff. It, it looks like South Africa's ambitions to join the Six Nations are dead. And what's being proposed again is the World League. Yeah. This time a North versus Southern Hemisphere thing where there's two pools of six. The Six Nations teams in the Northern Hemisphere and in the Southern Hemisphere, the Rugby Championship plus Fiji and Japan. And over a two-year cycle, each Northern Hemisphere team will play each Southern Hemisphere team home or away. Three of them at home, three of them away, and then the following year it reverses, so you play those three teams away that you played at home and vice versa, and then the two top teams play in the grand final. Thoughts? Um, Part of me likes it because you're getting more meaningful games, but then you don't really need meaningful games when you've got autumn internationals that are friendlies on paper, but not really friendlies. Yeah. and also, it it closes the door on tier two teams a bit more. That's the biggest. That's issue. the it, an issue that we spoke or, or about. Or if before. they if they said right, we're not going to do promotion relegation for Six Nations. Sorry about that, but we are going to do this new competition where there is no right to be in the top league. Yeah, they won't do it because no, of the because of the TV money that England and France and South Africa, for example, bring. Yeah, so they won't do it. But that's what they should do I'm if they want to do. I'm this. just fully against change. I'm just fully against all change. Um, I don't think the people in charge have got the mental capacity to change the game for the better. <laughs> so in that case, just leave it be. Uh, every time people in world rugby or the RFU or any or anyone has a bright idea, you can guarantee it's going to be an absolute disaster. They're just not capable of doing it. Well, uh, well the people that are the stakeholders... Or all stakeholders, it, <clears throat> never all ever... them as, quote, stakeholders. Yeah, yeah. I think I mean, basically that's... what that means is private equity can, can we, no no stakeholders right stakeholders is anybody anyone who talks about stakeholders immediately dismiss them as serious people um stakeholder yeah just just don't go 
it's a sign of a non a non serious person. Uh, so I think that leave rugby as it is for now. Um, and then when we have some individuals that actually know what they're talking about, we should do something. But the problem you, you have is everyone seems to be wanting to feather their own nest. So World Rugby are only proposing this because that World, means... That World Rugby don't make any money. They're, they're not... Incorrect, Tim. So, well, the World Cup is, is World the, one, the one cash yeah. cow that, mm. that so they have. Yeah. if World Rugby can get this thing off the ground, okay, they will own that competition. The reason they want to own that competition is because they don't own the Six Nations mm-hmm. yeah. and they don't own... Uh, the championship. So they want more power over more things. Yeah. So obviously la- launching a new competition would do that. Uh, on the other hand, Six Nations is the single most profitable and successful tournament that rugby has to offer. And I don't see why you'd want to tamper with that, whether it be for promotion, relegation. Uh, you know, They say for the good of the game. Every time we've tried to do something for the good of the game, it's gone disastrously wrong. So just leave the Six Nations as it is. I would say with the exception of the World Cup, the World Cup is a huge success. But I think ultimately you've got to leave it and you've got to let other nations and unions develop their own history and find their own way. Well, there is one change that is being... I've seen mooted for the um, Six Nations, which I think we'd all broadly be on board with, scrapping one of the rest weeks. So yeah, uh, totally. one, only or one, both of them. Three only weeks, one three weeks, weeks break, two weeks. Yeah, yeah. done. Yeah. yeah, definitely. That's that's an easy win. Um, frees up some space in the season, that, but then more things have got to give. And this is the problem we, we spoke about so many times, and you've alluded to there, JB, that if if you want to um, actually solve some of the problems with injuries. Players playing too many games, the um, all of the dead rubber or dross games in mm. the season, left, right, and centre. Then you've got to play fewer games. That's yep. the only way to solve it. But you and few games at club level and fewer games at international Completely level. Completely agree. Some turkeys have to vote for Christmas to yes. actually have. You will never, no, you'll no, never, going to, you'll you'll never what, get what, it. What you'll, you'll never do because we're twenty five odd years into twenty eight years now into professionalism. Yeah, you've got to unpick all of the webs that have been spun well, but just in look that at the stupidity years. and I do mean this the stupidity behind the women's game people who are behind the women's game have made some thoroughly stupid mistakes and the only time that the women's game seems to advance in my mind is when people accidentally make the right decision so I'll give you a great example of this for the years and years and years the women's six nations was played exactly the same time mm. as the men's six nations and it didn't get a look in well you know I don't watch the women's Six Nations, but I am actually aware of some of the storylines, which I would never be. I, I'm, I, I'm aware. Well, the, I think the, I think doing the the women's game having a Six Nations is the perfect example of what you're talking about. It's a joke. What's the point in watching England win seventy one yes, nil or whatever I, it was? Yeah. So I agree with that, but I also think that when it was with the men's Six Nations, the men's Six Nations oh, no, just I, completely dwarfed. Yeah, it. I agree. Yeah. It's, like best, completely it's best, by accident. better now than it was, yeah. but it's following the men and going, oh, we'll have the same oh, Six Nations. It's, what, don't, why? don't get me started on why? that. Why? Let's have a Lions I'd, I'd rather have a, I'd rather have, until there's anyone any better, have a three-test series with every year between England and France. Exactly. And right. when someone's good enough, you can have three teams and... Well, invite New Zealand over. You know, the, yeah. the women's game should be trailblazing, but it's run by absolute idiots. And never forget that. Yeah. And this is sort of... that The women's game is a micro for the rest of the game as how how badly it's run you know if they were if there was even a modicum of iq somewhere 
that you would see them doing things with women's game, which would be truly revolutionary. Or, or there might have been some people having a word when they were when they were going over the different proposals from sponsors. Yeah, who knows? <laughs> who knows? But yeah, by any, any issue with TikTok, anyone? Oh, my oh no, that'd be word. fine. That'd be fine. Oh my no word. issue at Is, all. Do you think do you, do you love being right? <laughs> that you love being right. I mean that that I can I kind of have sympathy with them. Oh, I, I, I do. I, I do. I am. We I'm not on the, t- we, we yeah, called yeah. it as soon as they said I'm it. I'm not on TikTok. I wouldn't be on TikTok. But if they offer the most money, money yeah. in a game that needs money, you'd be a braver person yeah. than me to turn it down. Oh, yeah, absolutely. But stop lecturing us. Yeah. <laughs> you know I mean? like, yeah. Stop it. I, I, yeah. No. No. no that, and that is that is the point. Fine. Take take the TikTok money. But yeah, then yeah. just just then, then just play the rugby. Don't use the rugby as a platform to tell us I about all these right. amazing. Uh, things you're doing when actually it's fine you just accept you're taking communist Chinese party money it, it's, it's phenomenal <laughs> it, women's rugby is so righteous it's so righteous it's okay to facilitate state sponsored espionage that's how righteous that the women's rugby is <laughs> but, I, but I'm with Phil I, have, I, I actually I don't blame them for that and I haven't got a problem with that just then, then just play the rugby but more importantly and which what the men's game cannot do because there's all these stakeholders uh, are one of them some, one or some of them are going to have to vote be turkeys voting for Christmas got a blank bit of paper do something different uh, but moving on to the different uh, off the field political kind of stuff going on behind the scenes we've now had Mark McCall come out that the restructuring of the English game conversations are uh, spinning up Mark McCall's come out and said central contracts he thinks are essential to uh, oh, no. to sorting that out Rob Baxter's come out and said no 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 um, so let me just briefly lay yeah, out. Yeah, please. Yeah, yeah. These are I didn't pe- know I'm not, you're breaking news to me. No, these are people this. that I would listen to. Mm-hmm. Yeah, these. 100%. So Mark McCall says central contracts. Uh, in the game, to, to illustrate his point, in the game at the week, uh, the week uh, this weekend against Harlequins at the Tottenham Stadium, there were seven England players that came back into the Saracens squad and they, they between them, averaged seven appearances out of 17 rounds of the Premiership. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And that's why Mark McCall is saying it makes sense for England to pay a proportion of their salary to reflect the fact that we only get them for half of the season. Yeah, but which England, England do? England do, but, but I, he I means bet, more formally. Yeah, well, no, so England. Do, I bet what he means is a higher proportion yes. of their salary, yeah, exactly, because England play whatever it is, sixty grand per player per year 80 grand per yeah. player per year something like that he's talking about an amount but, which reflects but, the yeah the, those, and, players, and, those seven yeah then. those seven players will take up probably 40 percent of their yeah. their available salary cap yeah and let's just talk about saracens a second actually because we're here the problem saracens have got is they're too good like so a lot of players will end up being england players just because they're saracens players and saracens do such a good job with their team i, I this game really brought it home to me actually the uh, the Harlequins game. Now, the counter to this, right, is that you want... Okay, so this is not my idea. This is a Mark Evans idea, and I'm so behind it. Is that you don't pay the... Engl- I, I know I'm Mark McCullough saying this, but you don't pay England money proportionate to the amount of England players that a team produces. So if there's a budget for, say, three million quid, making it up, for England players... Rather than pay it proportionally to who provides you the most English players, you then spread it around the league because it is the same principle as a salary cap. You're just making enforced competition by 
making other teams say, okay, he's an, Eng- an England player, we must jettison him now, so he goes to a different team, and it sort of levels out the competition even further on top of the salary cap. And I think there's something in that. Yeah, so um, I'd go the other way to Mark McCall, but I know why Mark McCall is saying Yeah, it. yeah, and so what Mark McCall was saying, yeah, effectively, as, as Phil pointed out, is you take a greater proportion that reflects the amount of time. And Mark McCall was saying, and that means... Yes, England would have more control of their players. And he is citing the Irish model and saying that not to copy the Irish model, but that that element of the Irish model, being able to manage the the game time, having that control centrally would be better for the the England team. I'll I'll tell you what Rob Baxter said, though. Please do. Yeah, so just uh, the counter to that. And these are two people I would trust between them just put them in a room. I trust uh, them to look after their own interests. <laughs> well, no, but that's what I mean. That, if you, yeah, you, if you put the two of them in a room and said, you're not coming out until you both have agreed well, the way yeah, forward. Yeah, you kind of want to take them away from, because they would still be, if they're still wearing an extra and the Saracens yeah. hat, respectively, you kind of want to take that away from them. You kind of want to get them centrally, get both of them mm. wearing England hats, and then see what they come up with. Yeah, yeah but it, I, bet, I bet it's different. It was interesting, Mark McCall, talking yeah. about it, the benefits for the England national team. Now, now Rob Baxter, yeah. what he said is that he said, no, I don't think central contracts is the way. I th- he, he says there's two things he would do. Number one, he would deregulate the loan system. So at the moment, there is only a very minimum amount of players you're allowed to put into the championship. Yep. And he said, whilst seeing as we're not having promotion at the minute, he, he would understand it if there was a team coming up from the championship. You couldn't, you do, you wouldn't want suddenly when in the last game of the season when you needed to win to go up, suddenly the team you're playing against has got 14 premiership starters yeah, playing yeah. against you. So he understands that. But he said, while there's no promotion on a, on a Monday when we think about our team for the weekend, we, it should be that all of our players that aren't available can go out and get some meaningful rugby yeah. at one of a few clubs locally. Yeah. So so he said he would deregulate that. And the other thing he said, he said he, he, is he said that one of the reasons he's losing England players from Exeter is because you only get serious England money if you're in the match day squad. And so yeah. what he said is the EPS money, once you're in an EPS squad, it should be treated like a retainer, which can be yeah. top, topped up a bit if you actually make make the appearance. But then people, someone like Luke Cowan-Dickey or... Um, trying to think of another example Anthony Watson's thinking about it he might be thinking after the World Cup well yeah if I'm if I play for England I get 20 grand a game yeah yeah, yeah so there's like if, the I'm not, if I'm only in the squad and I don't play Sam Simmons Sam Simmons is a great example it's Sam Simmons is the one because he could earn 300k uh, extra plus let's say 250 to 300k um but that is, that's debatable, that's um, theoretical until he actually pulls on the England shirt, or he can just go and earn five to 600k, guaranteed. Yeah. Which is exactly what's happened to Jack Willis. Exactly what's happened to him. So it's really interesting, because there's two types of England money, isn't there? There's the England money that goes to clubs, yeah, and that usually gets passed directly to the players. So say if you've got no salary cap left whatsoever, and you want to sign an England player, say a Wasps player who is... Uh, um, kicking his heels, you could potentially say, "Look, we've got no salary cap, but if you come to us, we'll just give you your England money directly." The 100k so you, or whatever, yeah, 60, 80, 100k. So you can do that, and look, we'll see if we can top you up another four, like 40k. So your problem comes with the Rob Baxter that he has England players who are not in the England match day squad, which is the second type of England money, exactly. isn't it? Yeah, yeah. So if they're in the England squad, and the England squad have actually done something really interesting. They used to have two types of two types of fee. One a fee for those that played and a fee for those on the bench and they decided they decided to even it out, which I think is a good thing. So yeah. So Rob Baxter's only saying yeah. he would even it out even more. Whereas if you make it to the EPS squad, well, of then, course you would. Yeah. Then you get a retainer. Yeah, yeah. And then clubs and players can make plans and more 
realistic plans. So, just to summarise, uh, it seems to be that Mark McCall's position is pay us more money for our players, and then simultaneously Rob Baxter's position is pay us more money for for the, <laughs> well, for well our pay players. pay the players directly more money. Yeah, so Mark so McCall saying them. pay us more money to we can give it to them, and Baxter saying pay the players more money. And, and, yeah, and, yeah. and, and uh, Rob Baxter saying that pot of money that you give to players spread it across and all I, 32 not 23 I actually agree or with 36 that, you know. or not 23 yeah. because if you think about trying to manage money for a player as I as I do for some players mm-hmm. if you're trying to do your financial planning it is ridiculous to think that you could earn three, 300,000 or 200,000 depending on if the coach like, likes you or not yeah. and you are going to the England camps well, and you yeah. are doing the work you're just not having that game it will be it, like it, for these players. It will be the difference between earning quarter of a million a year and half a million a year. Yeah, it will be a two hundred and fifty k swing. And Billy Vanapola is another player who I imagine yeah. is, lo- is, is looking at that situation right now. Yeah, because yeah. there there are rumours, uh, and and it's been talked about before the rumour that he and Steve Borthwick had a falling out. At some oh, point. I heard that uh, Vanapola was was off to Racing. I thought that was a done deal. I've I've heard rumours about him going to France. Yeah. But Tim, you you got to interview him post match yesterday. Yeah, you were at the game. I like that. Sorry, I, I, I liked your interview. I thought, I thought, um, I thought he spoke quite well. well do you know what I, I, I really liked about that? Because you, yeah, let's talk, let's, move, let's talk on to this Saracens Queens game because yeah. this was it was a dynamite match. And I think what was really revealing about both uh, Billy Vanapola and Jamie George when he spoke after the game is how they just put in a quality what what looked to me like a quality performance, and they were both going, "Yeah, we need to sort some stuff out." Yeah, and that, that was sort a thrust, kick off kick return. That out. was the thrust of Billy Vodopola's interview. It's like, "Yeah, we're pleased with the win, and what a great occasion!" But uh, and that stadium is bonkers. Um, it's, it's brilliant. But Billy Vodopola was like, "Yeah, we need to sort some stuff out. We we, we you know that's that, that's that's the minimum expectation. We've got to be much better than that." I think he's playing mind games there because I thought they were superb. Uh, well, there was a few kickoffs they messed up, which was one of his points, which. That's an easy point to make because they yeah. botched a couple of kickoffs. Other than that, they were comfortably the better team. Yeah, I Other thought... part, apart from that, apart from that, Don Brandt try early on, which you thought, oh, this will be an interesting. Merley being then they yeah they ridiculous. just controlled it. Apart from those two moments of magic from Merley, um, which I thought that was a really interesting contest. Malins v Merley. Merley's shorts are so short. Oh, or his shorts short, or his legs massive. <laughs> Both. Both. both, yeah. But, but he, he he wears particularly small shorts. I like, think I would like have like Sunny, <laughs> Sunny Bill Williams, yeah, size shorts. So yeah, what I loved about this game is I thought <laughs> that we probably saw one of the better versions of Harlequins. Harlequins were not mm. bad. My word! I mean, I was watching some of the Saracens' mistakes. So they f- they threw a few loose passes, and what struck me is as soon as that ball was picked up. They automatically knew where all of their teammates were. So they were so well-oiled and they were so uh, co- cohesive uh, um, as a unit. The amount of times they could just turn around and they knew that that outside shape was forming as it sort of wrapped around the receiving player. I thought it was, it was remarkable. Uh, mm. And at some points as well, they were moving the ball so fast, like from the, the, turn, sorry, the speed of the ball from the breakdown, they were moving it so fast that Harlequin's players were jackling half a second after the ball had left. I mean that I, I've not seen ball that quick for a long time. Yeah, yeah. that was impressive. Yeah. That was really, really impressive. I, I, I thought it was a great game. Yeah. Yeah, great, and it, it was. Fantastic. It was. So it's probably not going to be this year because of where Harlequins have found themselves. But in a different year, this could be a knockout game. Mm. Two stacked teams and big occasion because it's in a big stadium. So it's it's almost like a dress rehearsal for Saracens for the. 
the finals, the the semis and yeah. the the final. It's and quite, they did they did very nicely. It's quite ominous that they're um, the way they're talking and playing. Yeah, yeah. and I, where they, where they've changed from previous years, they previously would have been bringing off an absolute dominant heavyweight bench, and they don't quite have that anymore. No, no not quite. they don't quite have the but same. You can also see a lot of lads sort of coming through now to become first team starters. Like Andy Christie, Andy Christie, Christie. Christie. like Theo shout. McFarlane goes out. You go, oh, man, that's a big hole. He was the best player in the Premiership early in the season. Andy, Andy Christie's, Christie's pretty good, great. Yeah. yeah. Um, and, and also, I mean, the exception for this would be um, Malins. Malins was uh, was dominated a little bit by Murley. Well, it, it, I he thought was, it was a good, he was good on his own. But yeah, like, so, going forward, yeah, I thought it was a good. great contest because yeah. Murley's two tries, he dominated him. Malins made the tackle that forced the Nick David error. And Malin's made some really nice meters in hand, really yeah. good meters well, in hand with ball going forward. So, yeah. but Merley, but Merley won the battle, yeah. I think. Well, the point but it was an interesting one. Even Saracens' skill players. So I think they've got two skill players who aren't that aren't that physical. In Good, because he's getting on a bit, isn't he? And he's never been that physical. Yeah. And also Malin's, but they do other things, so that's absolutely fine. But even like their other skill players, like I mean, Owen Farrell is notoriously physical. Whether L- Lazowski, it, it, Tompkins, and Farrell are hard. He loves to bang. He, Nobody loves to bang more. Uh, no one, no one talks about it that much. Yeah, like, he smashes boys. Yeah, he's very good indeed, isn't he? Yeah, and uh, he's he's sort of as like uh, a nippy playmaking ten. He, he's basically a really hard Henry Slade. <laughs> and Henry I don't Slade, know why Henry Slade? Henry Slade, Slade is thinking about it. Henry Slade is pretty hard as well. But yeah, Lazowski was awesome. Let's, the, let's, the other, yeah, the others. Because there was an England, a potential England match, so Malins and um, Murley, and Murley came out on top. Uh, Billy and Dom, v- Billy and Alex Dombrandt was another potential matchup. Yeah. Dombrandt scores after two minutes, yep. and then Billy was the better player all game. Oh, yeah, Billy's just the better player. There's just, I don't think there's much. But B- Dombrandt can do some nice things, and he's a good player, but Billy's just a better player. Well, it's, it's styles make matchups, as you often say, mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. and. Harlequins going against Saracens is not the game for Dombrant, which is a problem because most international defences will be more like Saracens than they will say Bristol or Northampton, for yeah, example. So Dombrant is maybe, uh, JB, you like the phrase, flat track bully. A, a, well, a peacetime eight. Well, he's made it, yeah, he's a bit of a flat track bully, a peacetime if, eight, if there perhaps. Were, <clears throat> and I do, I really yeah. like Don Brown. I like Don I Brand really like Don Brown. So I was going to say, if there's one player that, that I think highlighted the difference between international and club rugby in that game, it was Makova Napola, who looked a bit pedestrian and one-paced in the Six Nations. And I thought he was, I thought he was personally, I thought he was the better of the Vinopolas. And Billy was great. I actually yeah. thought he was even better. His, like that pass for the Malin, Malin's try... Wasn't it? He, he did the big loop pass. He was offloading brilliantly. He was ball carrying. I thought I he just was think, brilliant. He but, suddenly looked dynamic, and and I think that and that's what said to me. It's like this guy I've been, had an issue with all Six Nations that he just has no impact, and he but, looks, he but looks but awesome. Maku has he has had a bit of a step back. I think since oof, when was he really good? Before the Lions, actually. I mean, like, Mako has not been Mako for... Which Lions? 2017? Yeah, not the one gone. The one before Because I don't think he was very good then. Did he... But he's been great for Saracens in this time. Yeah, but when he was... I mean, at some point, I mean, it was there was a stage where he was one of the best loose heads on the planet, and I don't think he's quite there yet. But yeah, you no, see f- no, flashes no. of it. And on the international stage, I agree. I, I'm just saying yeah. that 
and, and this, the more it goes on, the more I can't help but think Eddie Jones was right. There, there are Test match animals, and and club and the Premiership no longer is the barometer. The good, the good players in the Premiership are not necessarily the barometer of who's going to be good in the Six Nations. It's hard to say, isn't it? Mm. It, it is. is hard to say because here's because just I know we can talk about this game a bit more, but just jumping across, we have been the one, the one name we've been saying for a while, particularly you and I, Phil. Tom Pearson? Yeah, Tom Pearson. Tom Pearson was Absolute class. beast. He was absolutely class. He now, is absolutely class. Now that looks like a test match animal, but we're not going to know. We, we, we don't know. Maybe he's not. But it, when you see him in the premiership, you're like, this guy's got to pull on the rose. But then again, against the Northampton defence. Yeah, exactly. I, I can't recall watching him against Saracens this season, but that's the test. Like if Against a proper uh, well, they're gonna get a, They're going to get the chance by Ryan Reynolds here from Mint Mobile. With the price of just about everything going up during inflation, we thought we'd bring our prices down. So to help us, we brought in a reverse auctioneer, which is apparently a thing. Mint Mobile Unlimited Premium Wireless. How to get 30, 30, to get 30, to get 20, 20, 20, to get 20, 20, to get 15, 15, 15, 15, just 15 bucks a month? So Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month. Slows full terms at mintmobile.com. Life is full of awesome what ifs and some not so much, like unexpected medical costs. That's why United Healthcare provides Health Protector Guard fixed indemnity insurance plans to supplement your primary plan and help manage out of pocket costs. Learn more at uh1.com. Commit, that'll be the semi final. And they can be anything. That, that would be fascinating. I wish I could have, could have done this 12 months earlier. <laughs> Put London Irish on the whiteboard this year rather than last year. It's amazing to see what London Irish are doing because they've always had the individual pieces. I've, I've always thought that individually they look great. And now they seem to be pulling it together. And they've, they've got a bit of everything. So the amount of tries they score from driving malls is almost Gloucester-esque, actually. You know, look mm. at the amount of tries uh, what's his name's racked up uh, Crevy yeah. I mean I know he's uh, not, and by the way who thought that was going to work did anyone really think he was going to come and make an impact I didn't I thought he was an ageing player who's going to no, come I, and sit on the bench no, I didn't think I, he was going to be that good no I did and he is he is that good he is that good he's still that good yeah yeah, yeah. Um, and just everything seems to work for them like Cunningham South looks like an absolute baller uh, every time a back three player is out another one comes in like Loder's try was exceptional yeah, yeah. exceptional Loder's a handy player you know, it's, Gas. It all seems to be going their way. They even even putting Rory Jennings to twelve. Yeah, it's been great. That's a, that's a weird. Like, yeah, I would not have expected that. He was at like London worked. Scottish a couple of years ago. <laughs> yeah. Um. In the NFL, right. because of the salary cap is like quite a mature concept. Yeah. There, they have teams which have to win now, effectively, before all the contracts are up, and they can't pay them what they deserve to. to yeah, yeah, yeah. And I think London Irish could be that team, you know. So well, they're, they're, they're losing a few boys, like... Um, Rob Simmons. Parton oh, Simmons. Simmons going. Yeah, he's going. Um, Parton Simmons. Hassel Collins. Hassel Collins, that's another one, yep. Loader, is he confirmed going? No, or is he staying? I think he might be staying. He might be staying. They're, they're starting to lose a few boys. I mean, there'll be a few teams in for Pearson. If he, if he's available, if his contract ends anytime soon, almost anyone would take him. So, he, uh, yeah, the Pearson class. situation is really interesting. So Willis is going to be in Toulouse... And he's going to be playing for England. It's, although, England and the Premiership have confirmed this week that that won't be the case for anyone else. It seems, and that's only until the World Cup. That's not beyond the World Cup, is it? I read it as beyond the World Cup, actually. Well, mm. if it is beyond the World Cup, I would be thoroughly pissed off so, if I was 
Yeah, so an England Mercer, player, Simmons, anyway, or, or anyone who's anyone who's not. If anyone a had contract. an offer, I've got an offer to play for Leicester for two hundred k. I've got an offer to play for Montpellier for five hundred k. I'm going to take the two hundred k because it gives me the shot with England. Hang on a minute. Surely, no. It must be until the World Cup. Willis can't be. I'd have to read allowed. the. I'd, I'd have to read yeah. the, the article again. Surely not. But Willis is. You know, obviously Willis can, can still yeah, play. Yeah, yeah. I mean, play. for the record, I I wouldn't mind all England players being able to play wherever they want. But yeah, yeah. yeah. We spoke. We spoke about this we before. I long standing against it. But once you can't have both, you can't have the lower salary cap and try and, and keep everyone in England. Yeah. No. If you've got that a comparable salary cap, you should should do it. The England seven position is going to be like the New Zealand ten position. You're going to have world-class operators moving overseas to get more money, and they'll keep... They've just got to make the right decision. So New Zealand obviously kept Carter, but they let Nick Evans go. They mm-hmm. kept Bowden Barrett, but they let everyone else go, basically. And I think that's going to be going to have to be the case, because you can't... How do you keep both Currys, Willis, Pearson... Ludlam. Ludlam. You can't keep them all happy. So this, this sounds to me a little bit like... And... A feather in the cap of Mark McCall saying central contracts because then well, the, even central the, contracts the, can't keep those six. Well, then the England head coach decides which one of those players yeah, stays and which yeah. one goes. Yeah, which ones stay because you, you're right, you a, can't keep all of them. But this is a really, really hard thing to do. It's a really hard thing to pick when to pick winners, particularly when they're young. I mean, if you're talking about people who are like 28 with a load of caps, yeah, fine. These guys don't have a load of caps. You've got Curry who does. But then you've got Willis, Pearson... Got Curry, the ancient 24-year-old. Yeah. There you go, you see? He's already been on a Lions tour, played yeah. in a World Cup final. But he has got a load of cups, so you kind of know what you've got there. Yeah. And I think, we always used to say that you have to, you know, who are you going to leave out in order to bring this lad in? Well, I think, in the case of Pearson and Willis and all the guys that we've just mentioned, I think you've got to rotate them and just see which one plays best. And, that's, then, how you, and that's how you decide. Yeah, but then you... Like, now... You've not got time to rotate them ahead of this World Cup. No, because you've, you've got four games. Yeah, I, I think it might even yeah three or four games. It's four. It's four. four. How old's Pearson now? Twenty-one. So if he's twenty-one, 20 right? No, because he's finished the degree. Because he did Cardiff Met, oh, didn't he? he? Oh yes, you're right. So he must be twenty-two. I never want to play po- co- Cardiff. Really, he's got a jawline like Dolph Lundgren. Yeah. <laughs> I never want to play Card- Card- Cardiff Met for the record. Um, <laughs> they've, they've been pretty handy. He's twenty-three. Right, twenty-three. Okay, so yeah. with him. Let's just say England don't bring him into the World Cup squad because of the players that we've already mentioned. Yeah, yeah, and because you can only change so many positions. Yeah, are you willing, as Tom Pearson, to forego the best part of half a million quid combined over the next four years? Or do you say, right, I'm going to go to France now for three years and come back for one year just before the World Cup? But you might miss your chance anyway because you you might not be fancied. And you've got to have um, like the star power to get seen in France. Now, as in... I'm not saying the French league's got bad scouting network, but genuinely, how many offers would Tom Pearson have right now to go to France? Well, not yeah. as many as Sam, Sim- Sam Simmons, and, for example. Yeah. And, and the other element or is Zach that Mercer. N- uh, next year the GIF quota number is going up to 16 out of the match day 23 have to be French, yeah. and then the year after it's 17. So the the spots on these French squads is getting s- yeah, smaller. Yeah. The number of domestic leagues able to sustain players is getting smaller so there are more players that are looking for those spots so go to Japan is what you're saying but if you want cash go to Japan basically or go and play for Ulster or if you're incredible you can go and go wherever you want yes but as we've already talked about before that's what happens the just the be incredible disproportionate and he's pretty good he's pretty good he is pretty good speaking of incredible players Andre Pollard 
Wow. Yeah, JB, you need to I, eat some humble pie. I on was this thinking one. this when I was watching, and I was like, yeah, this is working rather nicely, actually. <laughs> it's working very, He's very nicely. He's playing like a £750,000 fly half. He looks spot on, doesn't he? He looks absolutely spot on. And he's, he's perfect for Leicester as well. Like, he's, he's the perfect uh, square peg in a square hole. Yeah, uh, yeah, I was wrong on it. I, I, well, based on this game, I, I was wrong. I, I me too, because I did not think it would be. I based thought on his first game, I thought I'm 100 percent right here. I, they played him at fullback. Yeah, I I was wrong. I thought he would be a, a too significant a departure from George Ford, who could do he can do the basics well, but he can do the basics plus. And I didn't think Pollard had that in his game, but he's got a bit of everything. He's got. Turn of pace, he's got the show and go, he's got the chip and chase, he's got the crossfield kick, which is fantastic. And what George Ford doesn't have, but Rob Dupree does, crash ball. He's got the crash yeah. ball, he's a Blair Kinghorn, Rob Dupree, crash ball 10. Exactly what everyone wants. He he is class, and surprise, surprise, uh, Montoya, Montoya, Andre Pollard, Anthony Watson, some of their big name uh, and highly paid players scoring tries for fun. Anthony Watson, that little step he did on whoever it was. It was uh, Sir Charles. Was it really? Yeah. Wow. So um, (laughs) that step on Sir Charles, it just had, it had the air of arrogance of somebody who's really enjoying their rugby again. Yeah. I have not seen that version of Anthony Watson for a long time. He looks like he's he looks like he's actually liking rugby, and I understand why rugby might not be for you if you played for Bath for a number of years, but. He looks like he's back. He really, look, really, really looks like he is. Well, he's in... Last year of his contract, isn't he? There's rumours of him going to France mm. next year yeah. after the World Cup. So that, what? that makes sense. So, That's, that seems perfect. But, like... It, it does... I mean, um, it's a shame, because he's still got a lot to offer, but... He does still have a lot to but offer. this is a classic example of going somewhere first to play good rugby to get your market value up. Because yes. Because Anthony Watson in Bath... Prodider... He's on a, yeah, he's on a five-year contract. He's injured half the time. He doesn't want to play when he does play. He wants to be inside drinking uh, lattes with the boys in Farley yeah. House. Um, now, with, like when he's player. got the incentive of a new contract, a new very big, mm. juicy contract, he's playing some great rugby. Yeah. Shall I r- rattle through a couple of emails? Do you, on sorry, this? do you know where Anthony yeah. Watson would look nice? Racing. He would look nice. Everyone looks nice good. at Racing. No, it's yeah. true. Look, but, he's, he's, but he's a racing type player. I his think. headshot up on that massive screen. Mm. Great. Uh, racing, one... who are currently seventeen points to six up against Stade Francais Ooh. in the Parisian derby. Nice. That'd be a fun game to watch at the Thunderdome. It uh, would be. Edmund Levin says um, well, the subject in the email is George Martin. I was talking mm. to Leicester. He said he is coming of age in the latter part of this season. He's been out injured a lot, hasn't Agreed. he? Agreed. Uh, excellent carrying in the tight and wider ch- and wide, wider channels, taking more lineouts and devastating defence. He is massive indeed. Um, I want to see him in an England shirt again. A back row with Pearson, Martin and Mercer. I am intrigued. Wow. Get, rotate it all. No, nice one, Ted. Get um, the kids in. Well, I mean, that he might be the beneficiary of Ollie Chesham if he can't get back. Yeah. It's a good shout. Uh, the He's other not guy who we we're not talking about in seven shirt, and every time I mention his name, go, oh yeah, him as well, is uh, Ted Hill. Ted Hill, I'm a big fan of Ted Hill. I'm a huge fan of Ted Hill, although he strikes me as... He's more of a six. International six. Yeah. Big, yeah, big D player. He, he's like a... I don't think he's quite tall enough to be second row or big enough to be second row, but he's more like a, of a six. Do you know style. who I watched on the week? Well, you do know, because I, t- I told you, but Charles Olivon was playing. Do, do you know who was in that back row for Toulon? 
Just, just, just guess the back row. Charles oh. Olivon, Sergio Parise. No. 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 <laughs> I know Bastero was at number eight. Yes. Oh, amazing. Facundo Issa was on the bench, was he? Yes. Which other the big f- name was starting for Toulon? Huge f- name. Ex-premiership player. What? Oh, um... Cornell Dupree. Correct. Cornell Dupree. you joking. Demoted for Kundalini to the bench. Was Kieran, Cornell Dupree? Was Kieran Brooks playing. Kieran Brooks was starting, yeah. Anyway, the point I was going to make was, Olivon in the line-out is just... <clears throat> he's an incredible looking man. I mean, he's so, so, he's so handsome. So in athletic. a line-out, he looks even more handsome. Just yeah. the way he shoots up. He's, he's six seven as well, isn't he? He's yeah. incredible. He's, he is incredible. He's such a good specimen. Like you think about that back row, it doesn't excite you that much. But then Olivon is just such a Rolls Royce of a player. Yeah, go all- go back thousands of years. He would be king. He would be Emperor. king. He would be king. <laughs> Building pyramids himself. Yeah. Oh, Olivon. Um, email here from Adam Davis. This uh, is jumping back to Sarri's Quins. He says, uh, "Dear gents, um, pod good." JB, always right, blah. Thank you. <laughs> uh, under Gustard and Kingston, Quinns had a bad habit of playing well at home and then producing nothing away. We then won the title, playing some great stuff, and then the year after made the playoffs and lost to Saris in a good game. Under Matson, we're now slipping back to our old ways of great performances at home or in the big game uh, or the big game and just offering nothing away. Defence is leaky, attack is poor, uh, and our squad should definitely pr- pr- be producing more than eighth at the moment. I think it feels a bit harsh to um, to sort of correlation causation to tie that to Matson. But who else it, would you blame? It, it does appear that not having a DOR works better for Quinns than having a DOR. Yeah, well, it was a strange situation they find themselves in. They they win the league and they think right, we definitely need another layer of management here. I don't think they should have done it. Yeah, it is easy to say. It was easy to say at the time, and it's also easy to say with hindsight, which means it's probably the right thing. Mm. Well. Yeah, I'd be interested to go back to the, in the podcast and see what we said then about it. Well, I, I seem to remember us kind of making this exact same jokey point. Yeah, that, I like, feel you're right. Yeah, this is it's going well, guys. Don't change when it's going so well. Don't change it. Yeah, yeah. Um, there was also a management change at Bath, wasn't there? A coaching change at Bath. Has Neil Hatley gone? Yes, and to Australia. With Eddie Jones, really? That is interesting. I think, isn't that not the case? I'd, I've, I'd, I'll be honest. I've not seen the news, so I don't know. No, is no. that just a rumor? I don't really know Neil Hatley very well. I've conversed with him once or twice, uh, but only via text. Um, but I do know there's yeah. many players that really like him. Australia's really, 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 yeah, four, Australia's four days ago he's he's, yeah. he's going to become forwards coach with Australia. If only yeah. there was a hard nosed forwards coach out there. Who would like to go to Bath and eventually take over his DOR? Yeah, I mean, if Steve Diamond does rock up at Bath, if I were Johan Van Graan, I'd just go, "Come on, Bruce, just put me out of my misery now, mate. We know where this is going. Yeah. Just hand me my P forty five. Yeah, just, yeah. Just, just, just pay me off. Yeah, pay, pay me, me off. off now. But he would be such such a good boy. I mean, Johan Van Graan has come in. He's got a lot of work to do, and he's is he bottom of the table now? He... Uh, they were definitely bottom going into this, so they must still be bottom tied. Unless the five points uh, got them above, they're, they're they're one point above Falcons. Oh, because they're bonus if, point. If the table I'm looking at is correct, if it's not on ultimate rugby, it's it more on, than likely is correct. It's on oh my god, the BBC. ultimate rugby state table was so was so bizarre. I actually ignored it for the first time. Went on to onto Premiership <laughs> rugby. I nearly took a screenshot of it because it was so bizarre. <laughs> I'd Worcester at second or something. Um, <laughs> All these home walkovers for Worcester. <laughs> yeah, smashing, it. Cancel, cancel smashing it. Smashing it. Hmm. Um, 
Speaking of Bath, Bath got a good win. Now, I actually think this game, it it does tell me that there are some uh, good things. Oh, no. Bath have got some positive attributes. Let's put it, let's frame it that way. Most of all... M- mostly Worcester players. Yeah, most of all, Ted Hill, Ollie Lawrence, <coughs> Thokken Singer, yeah. uh, Cam Redpath, um, all those boys played well. Exeter are not the same team. No, they're not. Exeter on. just... And they've still got some of their star players, but they are just a shadow of what they were well, even 12 months ago. Run out of muscle, run out of ideas. That's yeah, all to me. They've run out of everything. Mm. Yeah, they are a shadow of a team. They didn't get either bonus point. So he's a five-point win to Bath. Extra get zero league points. Uh, I don't think game. they're underperforming based on their team. Is what is what I would say of that because you look at the lineup and you go, look at the players they they but have had that they don't have because they don't have they didn't have just in the team today. That front row. Scott Co. Dan Frost, Marcus Street, is is not the old um, what's his face loose head prop Hepburn the, uh, or Moon uh, Ben Ben Moon and Harry Williams when Harry Williams was Harry yeah, but Williams. Harry Williams came from Jersey and Luke you know, Cowan Dickey. Like, no, no, no. But he was a Premiership winner, England international. Yeah, player. but it, Se- second row, there's no well, and Vermeule, there's no Vermeulen, there's no Kirsten. But uh, the problem with there's no uh, Sam Skinner, there's no, there's yeah, no, there's no Johnny, Johnny Gray. Gray. But I, I guess the problem you have with Exeter when you're sort of judging them like this is you can take a snapshot of their teams when they were coming through, and you could say the same about all of them. Well, the year that they won it, they were playing because of the the way that the Premiership worked. They were playing a literal second team against other teams' first teams, yeah. and yeah. still winning. Yeah. So I, you are, it's it's a point. It, so. There is relevance to the point, but it shouldn't matter. When X2 were playing their best rugby, Baxter got m- far more than the sum of the parts out of the yeah, team, yeah. and it, I, this is, that is not happening with this what, X2 team. What now. I would just purely say with that pack is they are significantly smaller than X2 packs that have gone on and been dominant. Um, there is yeah. not the same beef. Yeah. Yeah, because in Dun- Dun- there's Dun- a massive Jenkins amount of tonnage in the second not, row. Not in that pack. Yeah, even when they first came up, who, who was the lad, the Australian lad? Oh, Mitch. Uh, Mitch, uh, Mitch. Not oh, Mi- uh, Mitch. Oh, Mitch yeah. Lees. Mitch, Mitch Lees. Lees. Like, that, that was an Exeter player. Yeah. yeah. Like, it wasn't a particularly... Tight headlock. Well-regarded. And, and who, was that, who was that old RAF um, or Army oh. uh, prop? Budgin. Yeah. Chris Budgin. Chris, yeah. Chris, Chris Budgin. Budgin was a block of a man. Yeah, yeah. They had some horrible, nasty, hard players. But, I mean, like, uh, Skinner. Skinner's a big boy. He's not there anymore. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. But yeah. he was a big he boy. Was. Yeah, he yeah, was. Yeah, yeah. So when you look at... And he's yeah, a handy player because he could play six or second row. When you look at the Exeter team's past, before they were internationals, you just had a bunch of spare parts from from other clubs. You had, like, Williams from Jersey, Hill, who was unwanted from Gloucester. Wal- where, Waldron that they Waldron, brought in. Waldron and yeah, Salvi which that they brought in. beautifully. Yeah. Um, where did Skinner come from? I have no idea. Where did Mitch Lees come from? I have no idea. Where, where, where did bloody Ewers come from? Couldn't tell you. Wood, I, Woodburn and Devoto. Yeah. Uh, reject from Bath. Yeah, so there, there were always been spare parts and Exeter always made them good. So you can that, be... Yeah, that's the bit that's frustrating. Because yeah. I, I agree this team on paper doesn't look great. Then many of the Exeter teams on paper didn't look great until they were great. And it does feel like they're getting less than the sum of the parts out of this team, not more. Yeah. Which is a step wrong backwards. decisions. 
But, uh, you know, there, I, there's also an element here of, well, there's no relegation. I think they'd love to be top top four. That goes without saying. That's what the fan base expects. Yeah, very but much they so. do have something to play with, which is all of these young lads, and they don't feel the pressure of potentially going down. So let's see what they come up with. Uh, you know. the, 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 one of the bits I find really weird in this extra team is there's Simmons, Skinner, um, not the back row options, obviously Skinner, one Skinner's gone, the, the fly half options. Mm. That Simmons was so good for quite a long period of time and he just seems to have been relegated to number two. And it's, it's been weird, a backwards and forwards of number one, number two, which I would get if if it was like when... Um, Simmons relegated my boy um, Gareth Steenson Steenson um, to, to the number 2 or the number 22 shirt um, in this instance and it made sense and Simmons was clearly better than Steenson Steenson was still very good but Simmons won that jersey I've never seen that with Skinner I don't see yes I've not seen him be distinctly better than Simmons and yet he seems to have won that shirt and, he doesn't and even not playing that well and he doesn't even seem to be like for like with Simmons no so Simmons comes in you're right about this and he outplays him it's almost like they're hoping that Skinner yeah. will become this number one fly half if anything he looks like Henry Slade it's, that's what it feels like they're hoping that he will be a number one fly half not he is that he is now a number one fly half so maybe your point at the start of the season where they're just trying to get him game time maybe they are doing that but with a much longer time horizon than this maybe, season maybe maybe it's it's one that yeah it's just not positioned. I think I actually I think that point I actually made last season oh you said that last season you're yeah. right yeah and that's how, like he's had that much time and I just don't get it yeah, yeah. Uh, nine and ten are Actually, the t- the nine and ten that won the Premiership for Exeter both those times, the options significantly better. In fact, Maunder might have been one of the nines then, but More, uh, no, no, Townsend Nick, it was. Ta- Nick, yeah, but Nick White, but Nick was, White was when they won the double. Yeah, Nick mm, White was, was. I think Townsend started at least one final before Nick White came in. Uh, yeah, no, he, the, the right? 2017 when they won it first. Yes, yes, but I'm talking about when they won the double yeah, 2020. Yeah. Unless that was Chudley. In no, 2017. Definitely Townsend. Definitely Townsend. I'll have a look. Yeah, I'm, yeah, I'm pretty I mean, sure it was. But 2020, 2020, when they won it all, was Nick White. was, ma- was yeah. massive. Yeah. Nick White is definitely improving. Because I remember thinking, yeah. they, they don't need this guy. This is a waste of money. It was not a waste of money. It was money extremely well and, spent. And of course, the, the, yeah, the law changes and blah, 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 blah. But anyway, they're not. But let, to, let, just, it's been a massive weekend in the Premiership in terms of teams that have just, excuse my language, shat the bed. Because... That's probably extra got a chance, but it's pretty much them done gone. for the playoffs. They're gone. Quinn's gone. gone. Yeah. Bristol pretty much gone. Saints are the only team that can overhaul London Irish in fourth. It's really just a shootout between the two of them, and I, I can't see. So Saints have got Saracens next week, have they not? Best of luck. No, not next week. Next up in the Premiership. So best of luck with that. Yeah, their, their remaining fixtures are Saracens at home, Newcastle away, um, and they are. And London Irish, their fix, their remaining fixtures are. Bear with me a moment. Saracens at home, Exeter. Uh, sorry, Saracens away, Exeter at home. Mm. So I could, can, you could conceivably see Irish losing two games and uh, Saints winning two games. I think it's unlikely that one of them wins two and one of them wins none. I would say it's unlikely, but it's possible. 
Northampton have got a three-point deficit to make up. Uh, but really, with the points difference as it is, that's going to be a four-point gap. So I think Irish should. They, they need to win one game in their, their, in their home and host. Mm. Yeah. Which is a remarkable turnaround. <laughs> it really is. Isn't it? It'd be interesting to see what they do about against Saracens because that will presumably be their opposition at the Stone X. It's it if anyone can turn over Saracens, you know, it's going to be Irish. The, 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 probably the, the two interesting stories in the Premiership now are Saints v Irish for the fourth spot, obviously most keenly, but it's Sale trying to hold off Leicester for a home semi-final. Mm. Yeah, it's true. Sale, Leicester but Sale will Bristol next. Away, away to Bristol, away to Gloucester, home to Newcastle. Sale's fixtures are quite favourable. Yeah, they yeah. are. Uh, and they've got a game in hand. They should be getting 13, 14, 15 Leic- points. Yeah, like Leicester are home to Exeter, home to Quinns. Home to Exeter. Home to They'll Quins. win that. Home to Quins. Yeah, should yeah. win that. Could, could be 10 points, 63 points. I think Sale, I think Sales, Sale will get beyond Sale 63. Sale will do it, yeah. So, it, yeah, it will be. But Sale, Leicester, semi-final, <sighs> that is going to be tasty. I, just looking at Leicester this week, I've not seen Sale for a few weeks now. Um, Leicester look like a team that could make it a real challenge. They're looking like the team that win it last year. I think year. it's going to be Saracens-Leicester final. Yeah, I tend to agree with at you. At the minute. Tend to agree with you. Mm. But sail at home. Well, we'll see. Um, Stu Townsend did start the. Yeah. I know my 20, rugby film. 2017. Can you tell me anyone else who started? Uh, uh, in 20... 2017. 17. So the, this is the final against Wasps. Uh, yeah, okay. So. Do you want to start at 1 or 15? Go for 1. Okay. Ben, ben Moon. Correct. Of course, Ben Moon starts. Uh, Luke Cowan Dickey. Correct. Um, you do the whole thing. Perfect. So you're 3 from 3 so far. Harry Williams. Correct. Well it gets it gets more tricky now. Um Okay. Okay. Oh, hold on a minute. Hold on a minute. Was there a guy Hang called called James Hanks? That is if you get that that's remarkable. <laughs> I I can't even remember James Hanks. Uh James Hanks was not in the 23. Okay. okay. So I was trying to think because <laughs> you said it gets more difficult. I went off trying to find a niche. Yeah, it's not that niche. Yeah. These these two are well-known players, two international players in the second row. Okay. Helen Skinner? No. No and no. Uh okay. Oh, um Dave Dennis. Dave Dennis. Dave Dennis. Great um, shout. It's not Dean Mum. Because it D-Mum, might be Dean Mum. Yeah, Dean Mum. No, no, because I think Dave Dennis came in for Dean Mum or vice versa. Yeah, I think they, so, those two... Th- th- those who did, did, didn't cross over. Uh, another second row. It's not Chris It's, it's not Chris Bentley because he, he didn't get an, get an England clapper and he, he, he'd been gone by then. Um, another, a second row is an international. Uh, international and has got links to Australia. Not an Australian. But has links to Australia. Hmm. That's really hard. That is really hard. He played for two other teams in the Premiership. Not Mitch Lees, we talked about. Not Mitch no. Lees. Because he he's an actual Australian, isn't he? Yeah, Mitch and, he he played, was, and he played London Walsh. He was on the bench. Oh, yeah, he did play London Walsh. Jeff Parling. Correct. Oh, well <laughs> played. Well played. Well played. Very yeah, good. very good. Very good. Okay, Julian Salvi. No, no. Okay. Interestingly, not in the back row or on the bench. Okay. Um, back row for Exeter in 2017. Don Armand. 
Yes, it was Don Armand. Correct. Don Armand was wearing number seven. And I tell you, yeah, because Austin Healy described him as being built like a skip in... Dave Hewis. Incorrect. No, okay. Although, uh, right neck of the woods. Oh, Kai Horseman. Yeah. Correct. Was wearing six. Great lad on the beers, Kai Horseman. And Tom, oh, really? Thomas Waldrum. Waldrum was at number eight. Stu Townsend, Stu Townsend nine. at nine. Stino at ten. Stino was at ten. Uh, Henry so, Slade was 13. He was not. He was on the bench. Was he? Came on early in the second half. Ian Whitten. Uh, he came on at fullback looking like this. Ian yes. Whitten. Ian Whitten was wearing the 13 shirt. The diminutive shirt. Ian Whitten. Yeah. Exactly. Um, uh, Matt Jess. Uh, Jess was not in the 23. Dollars. Dollars was at 15. Okay. So you're missing the 12 and the two wingers. Oh, the tw- he's, okay. So Jack Knoll. Jack Noll was on one wing. Other winger for Exeter back then. James Short. <laughs> Not James Short. Damn it. Is he still playing? Don't think so. The, the, James Short was in that. He was the, I remember him being in the videos when they won it on the they were on the when they were on the bus back afterwards when they were shouting, We won the Prem. Oh yeah, you might have been he's on the bus. He's on the yeah. bus. Yeah. He wasn't. He's not in the COVID boy, James Short. What? What, not, was, what was his role during COVID? Do you remember? <laughs> he's locked in a cupboard. Why was he locked in a cupboard? Was it because he had COVID or he didn't have COVID? He was he, the one who didn't have. He's COVID. He's the one who didn't have it, so they locked him in a cupboard so they could just test him. Was that what? We yeah, said? yeah, yeah, maybe. Yeah, Everyone they, else was partying in student accommodation. That's right, and they had James Short <laughs> COVID taking boy. test after test after test. Um, uh, so we got the, the 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 winger and the twelve. Uh, you're missing one winger and the twelve. Is the 12 easy? It's not Devoto, is it? It is Devoto. So then, oh, um, so Devoto moved the same year as Woodburn, so Woodburn would be on the other wing. Correct. Excellent. And uh, on the bench, I'll just the, run through this. Hold on, hold on, hold on, hold on. He fancies um, it. Um, I remember one... Uh, oh, oh, oh. Uh, the guy, Ke- the guy, Heaven. the hooker was, who was at Bath and that Neil um, Clark. Neil Clark? No, hooker's okay. easy. Uh, the captain, what's his name? Yes. Oh, Yendel. Yendel. Of course. Um, one prop is easy, although he doesn't play for Exeter anymore. He made his name Exeter. Um, uh, oh, yeah, fine. We've done the team. Yeah, yeah fine. Franc- uh, 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 Maury Lowe. Francis, no. Francis Thomas is one Francis. prop. Uh, yeah. Carl Rimmer, the other. Carl Rimmer, that was the blonde-haired prop I was thinking. You've already mentioned Mitch Lees, who is uh, reserve. Rimmer was Lock. also in our, our um, X-rated 15. Yes, yes, yes he was. <laughs> Along with um, Hooker, uh, the old New Zealand international, uh, Andrew Hall. Andrew, Andrew Hall. You <laughs> <laughs> um, were on the bench. Sam Simmons was there as a young man. Chudders, Henry Slade, and the final, wearing the 23 shirt, an Italian. Oh, he went to Harlequins, didn't he? he it's, that's the boy. I can't remember his name, though. Michele Campagnaro. Campagnaro, yes. Campagnaro. Got, uh, ridic- uh, horrendous injuries. Yeah, knee injuries. Oh, I enjoyed that. Was, I enjoyed that. That's a hell of a team, isn't it? Good team. Night and day between. Remember the Wasps team that played against him? No. We don't have to no. <laughs> right. I'll do it. I'll do it off the pod. You boys yeah. can just enjoy yourself and relax. Um, are we going to do a Patreon pod? Not the one for a while. Yeah, we should. We really should. Uh, mm. But I tell you what, we do. We do need to preview the Champions Cup. Let's do this that weekend. Then. Oh yes, because this is this is big round of sixteen. It's not the double header round of sixteen, but this is pretty tasty. Uh, I do know one, one of the fixtures, which I'm not sure that this club will be looking forward to. But Gloucester have got La Rochelle. 
Oh, we have to mention Gloucester Newcastle actually. Yeah, we we haven't mentioned that because uh, that's Glo- Gloucester, Gloucester go a man down and th- just briefly no, we don't New- Falcons go sorry man. Falcons went a man down after, after seventeen minutes. Seventeen yeah. minutes. We we don't have oh, to uh, we don't have to make a big conversation about this, but the calibration on. High shots and red cards, generally. We saw the Freddie Stewart one, thankfully, got rescinded, but just goes to show that was a bad call. But a lot of the chat since has been, Jaco Paper is only doing it because of the pressure that's been put on by by, by the authorities and the, the refereeing guidelines and stuff. And I think there was there was very little difference to me between Beno Abano today not getting a red card and Rich Palfreyman on Friday night getting, getting a, red a red card. card. Yeah, I, I think you're right. David. similar. And that isn't me saying I wanted Beno Abano to get a red card. That was that was me saying... So, I don't sounds want, like that's what you're saying. I didn't want Rich, Rich Palfreyman to get a red card for that. Yeah. It's, it felt... and it, it, But it comes down to... If you slow it down as they do, it always looks horrendous and it's incredibly difficult to judge force. Now... I'm not saying you should explicitly judge force, but if you play it in in real time, where Palfreyman was, he was the second tackler, so there was already a deceleration of I can't remember who the ball carrier was. It was Critty Clark. Yeah. So he was already decelerating. Therefore, the force that and Palfreyman pinballed off it off yeah, the prop. Yeah. So there's two things, isn't there? There's a change of direction, and there is a deceleration of force. Therefore, for me, it would be sufficient to mitigate and and drop it. Um, I still think Palfreyman needs to get lower in that situation, but I would be happy with a yellow card. Well the, well, the mitigation wasn't allowed to count because they said he didn't wrap his left arm. The only reason he didn't wrap his left arm is because he, he was shoulder to shoulder with a teammate. So I kind of, if you were sitting down with your team and going, right, the coach, as, as you've talked about many yeah, times, yeah, yeah. and I always come back to it because it's a great way of thinking about it, what would be the coaching point? If you're doing a video session with your team on you know tomorrow when, uh, when Newcastle sit down, together they go right the coaching point here is well oh, a- actually you've got nowhere to put your arm so don't worry about it well we just coaching point ex- is you've got to go get lower along. it's yeah because yeah. if if you don't hit anyone in the head you can't get red carded like that that's a simple coaching point um and it's not it's not like freddie clark is gonna he's not liable to change direction He's just he's going straight. Well, so. this, this is cut. Well, no, but he did change direction. Oh, uh, sorry, sorry. I, what I do mean is, he's not liable to step Palfreyman. So he's no, not. He's not Cheslin Colby. Well, well, so this is my point on this decision: is he did change direction. Yeah. But the, and the referee said that that is mitigation. However, I'm not allowed to apply that mitigation because he didn't, wrap, he didn't his wrap his arm. arm. And the, and that's where I just think well, it's the same with the Freddie Stewart thing, where the obvious thing to to the vast majority of people and there's that were watching that game and myself included was what is he meant to do and there's a bit of me with Rich Palfreyman which goes yeah he could get lower but as you've just said the mitigation applies because there was a change of direction and he was going to make a perfectly legal hit had he not changed direction yeah and he and the only and you're just you're not applying that mitigation and that empathy because because he couldn't put his arm in a place that he wasn't physically able to put his arm yeah which so which it's, I just hate this. I understand, and I understand the flow charts. And actually, I thought the referee explained it and went through the process really well. I, I but I don't like that those decisions get red cards. Yeah, but interestingly, in this game, it didn't actually matter because no, quite because um, Gloucester, Gloucester were terrible. Yeah, yeah, that's that's a great way of putting it. Gloucester were awful, and I was certain when when that happened, I, I had I had in my head Gloucester's. Small favourites. They, so scored, away from they home. scored straight afterwards. Yeah, and 
I don't almost because I was actually away. I basically stopped watching after that because I had better things to do. Um, and when I checked later, I was like, I can't believe that Newcastle have won that game. Like, and, and I'm one who always tries to make the point. Red, like red card only ruins games if you've got bad teams. If you've got well organised teams, or you're playing bad teams, um, red cards make less difference than a lot of people think. The defence from Matteo Carreras and Adam Radwan, the two wingers that we always talk about their amazing attack, the defence was unreal. Well, if you're fast, you can solve a lot of problems. <laughs> it, it, was, it was similar with Saracens, and it's like attitude's a massive part of it. Like ma- many teams, w- Max Malins, the way he chased back that lost cause, and uh, did, did Nick David drop the ball over yeah, the line? Yeah, yeah, he kind of forced the. Uh, you know, a lot of players in a lot of teams would not have bothered to show that kind of attitude that Max Malins did, and that's what you got from Newcastle. It was just the attitude was, I'm going to chase every lost cause, I'm going to. Mm. And yeah, when you're that rapid, it helps. Massively helps. But Elliot Obatoyimbo, he was awesome. His stats. Are pretty exceptional. He was awesome. He's, yeah, he's over 100 metres, yeah. two clean breaks, nine defenders beaten. His first ever man of the match medal. Mm, fair play to him. Yeah, it was uh, very good from Newcastle. Not that it matters, they're, they're bottom, bottom of, the table. of the table. And they're, they've got a new, well, they've got an interim head coach. Rumour is Lee Blackett is being talked about as the new head coach. Interesting. What basically happened good is Northern Dave, Dave, Dave Walder was awed, uh, I as I understand it, or as is being reported, Dave Walder was... Um, offered a deal, didn't accept it, and so was asked to step back. Mm. He's on gardening leave. Mm. So they've just stepped him down because yep. any rumour on the deal, was it same, more, less? Just, I've no you know, idea. I mean, my guess is, as with rugby, they're probably less. Probably what, probably significant. And Mark Laycock will, I imagine, be on significantly less than um, most most, <sighs> most head coaches. Yeah. You okay, You're right there, Jay? No, World Rugby, we just heard a little bit of a tweet. World Rugby is, promote, is proposing a reduction in the legal tackle height in the community and youth game. Fuck off. <laughs> to below the below the sternum. The belly tackle. Below the sternum. That's what World Rugby are proposing. Just as we knew they were. Just as they are if you tried to hide from us. You know, there you go. And they, they by the way, they knew this. They knew it because I heard in that meeting the... The RFU guy, whatever his name, I think his name is Simon, constantly referring to the belly tackle because he's been told about the belly tackle and that's how they've been, been referring to it. So we knew it was happening and they lied to us about the consultation. The consultation is not real. And then World Rugby have come up with this absolute nonsense, which is not even backed up by their own sports scientist. So there we are. The proposals supported by evidence. No, it's fucking not. No, it's not. No, it's not. Ross Tucker said in that interview... To, to, well, uh, again, what was very interesting in that rugby pass chat between you and Ross Tucker is at the end of it, I I felt Ross Tucker was like, oh, yeah, well, I, I'm doing the evidence... I'm gathering this evidence as a scientist because that's my job, but I kind of... The application of that science, I'm kind of with you on. Yes, that's kind of what I, where I came to. They're absolutely like... Do you know... Here's what, the thing. Why? I, uh, it's just, I keep coming back to the why. Well, if, this, they, if, they, the if they honestly care about it, they do it in the pro game. This is the key word, okay? Key word here. Community and youth rugby. They do not want us playing the same game. They, they think that our game, at club level, should be something soft and passive and community-based. It has a bigger... It should have a bigger purpose than, sim- than simply the sport. It should be for the community. 
you know, when they talk about stakeholders, like that soft sort of nonsense, it's to get as many people in, it's to engage as many what, people as possible. What does community even mean? It means that it's not competitive. Yeah. That's what it means. I think, I think I think you might be right on that. Do you know what I think we should do on that? Well, I think we should just put a pin in that and you should just let go on the Patreon pod. So oh. just bottle it up for a minute. Let's talk about the Champions Cup fixtures. Let's do that. Right. Friday night, 8 o'clock kickoff. Thanks. Leicester Tigers host Edinburgh. Tidy. Uh, less, uh, well, Edinburgh, Edinburgh got a good win. Uh, no, no, it was Glasgow beat. Um, Glasgow got a good win. Sorry, I legitimately don't know why I why I even bother trying to talk about this sport. I hate it so much. <laughs> like, what what am I meant to do now? Am I meant to sit here and hype up this fucking sport whilst they take well, away our sport? Well, well, no, this is the sport you want to play. That's the point. But, no, but I can't play it, can I? And, and that's the point. They've taken away this from me. And everybody else that plays it. So everyone that's, that's going to watch no. this game cannot play this game. The game we love, we're not allowed to play. Because yeah, these absolute morons. Let, p- put a pin in it and let go on the Patreon yeah, we'll, pod. we'll do this quite quickly, JB. Do it very quickly. You can seize. <laughs> so, I'm, I'm going to go for a... <coughs> home win. That's a really tasty win. Edinburgh could definitely win that. I'll, yeah. go, I'll go for a narrow, will win narrow home win. But Ooh. I can see Edinburgh winning that. I, I think really home win. Uh, then on uh, Saturday, we've got 12.30 kickoff is... Sharks host Munster in Durban. Um, if what I'm reading is the um, Durban Sharks, not the Sale Sharks. Uh, we've then got Stormers. Oh, yeah, so interesting. Munster, Munster away. I'm going to go Sharks. Yeah, give me Sharks, even though they lost to Scarlets. Yeah. Storm, uh, Stormers will beat Quinns. Yes. La Rochelle will hammer Gloucester. So you're going to watch the live game that I'll be working on, Leinster-Ulster. I will certainly be watching it. And unfortunately, Phil, you, your your boys will be go go down pridely. Well, uh, hopefully the, all the Leinster boys are still on the source. Like, yes. Right up until the day of the game. <laughs> <laughs> and then, because Ulster have only got a couple of lads. We've got Tom O'Toole, um, Big Hendo, although he's, I think he's injured. Not many, not many others in there. That's, what, uh, was, Robbie, Robbie that's what was going on. Those Ulster boys that were getting the Leinster yeah, lads on the source. Yeah. Saying, it's like five to one. Yeah, exactly. So, so, yeah, Tom O'Toole's going to be Hendo, useless and Hendo's going to be terrible, but... Take it, take one for the team. Yeah. Oh, I should just mention uh, Tom Stewart, who's got a hat-trick. He's, yeah. He was fourth choice hooker for Ulster. He's scoring tries for fun at the moment. Now, it does help when Ulster do have a preference for kicking the corner, but to score driving more tries against a massive South African team mm. is always handy. Yep. So fair play to him. So four home wins on Saturday. We're going for five home wins out of five so far we've gone for. Uh, moving on to Sunday, Exeter Montpellier. That's going to be pretty tasty. It will. Exeter, I've just got this negative. I know they changed a few players up, but I just can't get that enthused behind Exeter. And it's a club that I really love. I'm going to go for Exeter nudging that one. Yeah. I'm probably going to go for Montpellier. Yeah. On um, uh, the only thing that Tribe, the app, the app I look at, uh, has incorrect. All the deep data is mm. right. It's the logo for Exeter Chiefs, and I'm just looking at it. And is it the old one? N- not not PC to say so. Apparently, but that that old logo is so much better than the new one. Anyway, <laughs> I I actually quite like the new one. Yeah, I don't mind well, it, but the the old ones is better. But it's fine. It was good. Um, just just objectively, aesthetically. Aesthetically. Sort of just purely yeah. aesthetics. Yes, yes, yes. Not moral. F- fully understood. Um, and Saracens, Ospreys. Saracens. Okay, so I'm going I'm going all home wins the whole way down the card. I think you may well be right. It's not a bad... That's a good accumula- acker. Yeah, not a bad... But the problem is, they'll all, they'll all be home favourites and 
one of them will ruin it. Yeah. And I think it'll be Montpellier will ruin it for Montpellier you. Probably, Montpellier and Edinburgh are most likely to ruin it. Yeah, maybe Munster. Maybe. And I think the, the way the semi-finals shake down is the is it the winner of Leicester-Edinburgh will play the winner of Leinster-Ulster. Yeah. So it's likely to be yeah. Leinster-Leicester or Le- Leinster-Edinburgh. Yeah, Leinster-Leicester looks likely. Tasty. Repeat of the 2009 and final. I and I don't know how the rest of them shake down, actually. Uh, Toulouse or Bulls against Sharks or Munster. Um, so you're likely to get Toulouse, Toulouse-Sharks. Who'd be home out of that? Uh, Toulouse, because of the, the rankings. Love that. Then extra or Montpellier against Stormers or Quins. And uh, so it could be Montpellier versus Quins, the Bottier, Bottica mm, Bowl. Bottier Bowl. Bottica? Bottica Bowl, sorry. Bottier. Yeah. yeah, Bottica. Uh, and then La Rochelle or Gloucester, so La Rochelle versus Saracens. <laughs> La Rochelle's Saracens would be a tasty wow. quarter. Wow. Wow. There we go. Right, Big. let's finish this. Right. Let's um, unpop the cork of that is JB. Patreon.com right forward slash egg chasers. If you want to both support the podcast, show you appreciate the fact we're there for you 52 weeks of the year, every single Monday, nearly 10 years. And uh, and also, if you want to hear JB off the chain. No, there's no, you know, I've said what. Roundabout Season 2, presented by Nissan, is live now, and we're back to share more stories from the road and the memories made along the way. We're talking rest stops. If we're stopping to get gas, you will be timed. Misguided plans. I grew up in the city, so I have, like, you know, a healthy fear of real extreme darkness. (laughs) A lot of laughs. Y'all weird, but you, yeah, you, you were different. And so much more. Listen and subscribe wherever you get your podcasts. As a veteran, I live with health impacts from my service. VA healthcare means you're in 100% control of your own medical care, your own benefits, and it only takes minutes to set up. A veteran should enroll in VA healthcare because it ensures that they get quality, high-level care for the rest of their lives. My service was then. My benefits are now. Get what you earned. Visit choose.va.gov. Not all veterans are eligible for the type or amount of benefits mentioned here. ACAST powers the world's best podcasts. Here's a show that we recommend. The Real Housewives is a guilty pleasure for most. But if you're looking to not feel guilty about that pleasure, tune in to Everything Iconic with me, Danny Pellegrino, where I break down all the messy moments and behind-the-scenes antics of Bravo's popular franchise. And on Everything Iconic, I also interview celebrity guests like Kelly Ripa, Kiki Palmer, Drew Barrymore, Cameron Diaz, and more about their guilty pleasures, their past work, and so much more. So if you're pop culture obsessed and find yourself watching way too much reality TV like me, tune in to Everything Iconic with Danny Pellegrino, wherever you listen to podcasts. ACAST helps creators launch, grow, and monetize their podcasts everywhere. ACAST.com.